Hey Wisconsin, it's Alejandro. As you've likely noticed, Game On has been talking a lot about Ultimate Frisbee lately. That's because you might not know, Madison is one of the largest Ultimate Frisbee communities in the world. Let me give you a few examples. The UW-Madison's men's team just qualified for their 19th consecutive national tournament. The Madison Radicals are literally one of the best teams in the world. Many of our club teams compete nationally every year. We've hosted the world championships right here in town. And Madison boasts the largest ultimate Frisbee summer league in the world with MUFA, which has nearly 200 teams and more than 4,200 players. That's kind of crazy. It's a lot of players, and it's just another example where our community punches above its weight beating out communities much larger like Seattle and San Francisco. So, because Community Radio is our mission, hashtag Community Radio, we thought it was about time WORT connected with this rowdy Frisbee crowd. So today we give you a sneak peek into Stop the Roll, a new podcast all about the topics, challenges, and trends of Ultimate. Host and player Caitlin Murphy will be your guide into the world of Hux, Flicks, and whatever other strange words Frisbee hooligans use. You'll notice quickly that behind all the shenanigans, it's a pretty progressive group, with a lot of ideas about the values of their sport and the world, which I guess shouldn't be surprising since the sport was born from hippie values, not unlike this station, and really not unlike our little city on the Isthmus. You can find the show at wortfm.org slash ultimatefrisbee on iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy. From the Frisbee capital of the world in Madison, Wisconsin, I'm Caitlin Murphy. And I'm Alejandro Alonso Galva. This is Stop the Roll. This week, the Madison Radicals turned in their game day roster on Tuesday night. On that roster is Robin Wiseman. The move officially activates Wiseman for Saturday's match against the Detroit Mechanics. If the three-time world champion steps onto the field Sunday, she'll be the first woman to play for Madison's professional ultimate Frisbee team. Robin Wiseman was the first female player to make the Madison Radicals when the team announced their season roster back in March. Wiseman is one of seven women to make an Ultimate Disc League open roster this year, as female athletes across the country push to make Ultimate more equitable. Last weekend, the Seattle Cascades faced off against the San Francisco Flamethrowers. Both teams fielded women in the game, making it the first AUDL matchup featuring women on both sides. Now Wiseman will put Wisconsin into this conversation at Sunday's midday matchup. As one of the best fan bases in the AUDL, many in Madison are excited to see Wiseman play at Breeze Stevens. In the studio with me is producer Alejandro Alonso Galva, who has been reporting on this story for the past couple weeks. Welcome to the inaugural show. We made it. (laughs) We did it. This is a big deal. There's only been two other women to play in the AUDL ever. Uh, Jesse Jones played a game in 2015. 
uh, Jesse Schaffner for a few games last year. I'm really excited about this. Exactly. The two Jessies, uh, as you said, Jesse Jones, she played one game for the Raleigh Flyers. Again, that basically that kind of one-off thing. She practiced with the team the whole season, which was fantastic for her in my conversations with her. She said she enjoyed that, um, but she was brought up and activated for just one game that was kind of specifically for women. It was kind of this recognition game. And then last year, the second Jesse, Jesse Schaffner, she played 12 games. But more importantly, she started in those 12 games. Uh, and she ended the season with about 170 points played, which is on par for an AUDL player. So she she broke the barrier last year for real. Whereas Jesse Jones was more of a symbol. Jesse Schaffner made it kind of a reality. For sure. And this year, there was a lot of push before tryouts with having a lot of women come to tryouts. I went to tryouts. And it was kind of, you know, you feel this thing across the country with a lot of women making open rosters. So in Seattle, in New York, in Atlanta, in San Francisco, you know, we just had that matchup with the Cascades and Flamethrowers. Um, and now in Madison with Robin. Robin and I have talked a lot about all of this and kind of what it means on a larger scale, not just making a roster, but what it means for all of the different roles that she plays in the Ultimate community, you know, at the national level level for USA Ultimate, uh, for MUVA locally. And she's a player, right? She's a three-time world champion. She coaches the team that I play for. Um, so she's got a lot going on. big thing that I always emphasize when when I talk about athletes in the news and you know I'll say it again is that they're people right we put these athletes on a pedestal we think that they're these gods and goddesses of, you know of Mount Olympus right the Olympian and we forget that you know these people go home and they have lives and they're people and you know for Robin Wiseman as much as she is the Robin Wiseman one of the things she kept telling me is that you know she feels the pressure of this moment she feels the pressure of of what she's doing right now. Yeah, I, I'll be honest, it feels like, like it's hard not to feel a lot of pressure. Um, like as an athlete, we always want to like strive to be our best, but I think that it, it puts some additional pressure on me to not just perform my best, but also to like represent other female athletes in the Madison community. So it definitely adds an additional mental challenge. There's kind of like this feeling that everybody's watching and everybody's excited, but again, that like feeling of everybody's watching kind of follow along with some of the reactions online um, with the, you know, like people wanting to dissect how I played at a, a fun tournament or at summer league sometime, you know, when you know, they don't really see all the context of that one time they saw me play it, something that doesn't really have a lot of stakes and something that's fun or relaxed or with a bunch of friends, you know, and expecting that all elite players play as hard as they possibly can every minute that they're playing. It's interesting to have some of those more critical perspectives being pretty public. And I think it's, people like to blame it on being a female athlete. How you play in a game just affects the outcome of, of that point, or at worst, the outcome of the game. But for Robin Wiseman, when she steps onto the field, like I said, she's the Robin Wiseman. She feels as if a lot of her off-the-field work and the off-the-field work of so many women and just people in the community 
that all of that is on the line as well. not just being on the team like it's there's an additional pressure for me to perform in every minute that I'm on the field at practice at every workout that we do and that every minute matters for me um there's really not an opportunity for me to have a bad day like like it it that's how it feels at least So yeah, she's a player, but it's a bit more than just playing Frisbee. So how do you avoid tokenizing her, especially when you don't know her, right? If you're removed from the situation, it can be really easy to analyze her play or analyze her role in all of this without knowing a lot of the details. It might be a little bit easier when you have a few more women on the open roster like Seattle has. The big thing that Coach DeBile keeps emphasizing and that the Madison Radicals, the you know, her fellow teammates keep emphasizing is that she's a world-class athlete, right? They keep going back to the credentials. She has three world championships. She was the captain of Team USA. She's on a French team, uh, Yaka, and they just won a big Mm -hmm. Belgian tournament, right? She has those top caliber athlete credentials. And so for them, they just keep going back to that. And that's kind of the, the line they're taking. As much as we talk about Robin being this physical athlete, one of the things that her teammates kept telling me about was how they kind of raised the Frisbee IQ on the team, right? Because she just has so much experience in all levels of Ultimate in terms of coaching, in terms of mentoring, in terms of watching film. She really is a student of the game and she kind of sees things that, you know, some of even these professional radical players don't see. This is what Colin Camp had to say. She's a really experienced player. She's been playing longer than most of the people on this team, actually. And so she brings some perspective that we've never thought of. She's she's played high-level ultimate, you know, all around the world. So it's, she brings things and asks questions all the time that we're like, wow, we've never thought of that before. So I think her presence has been huge for us so far this year. The same kind of goes for her social justice IQ. She's kind of bringing a lot of ideas to the table that a lot of people don't think about a lot. It's pretty easy to be in those spaces and never have to consider that language matter, words matter. Um, She's played Frisbee with most of these guys in the past, so they definitely respect her as a player and as an athlete. And so I think she's bringing a lot of things to the table as far as not only just Frisbee, but social justice and conversations Mm -hmm. like, you know, related to equity too. And Um, she doesn't shy away from those things. Yeah, right. Exactly. The ultimate community as a whole, I would say, especially in the United States, seems to be focused in on improving diversity, equity, and inclusion, trying to get the people on the field to be representative of people as a whole. Representation matters. Right. And water's wet and the Pope lives in the Vatican and a bear shits in the woods. At least last time I checked. Wait, I don't check those things. (laughs) Okay. People want to see people who look like them. Uh, People want to see, you know, want to provide more opportunities for kids, especially to grow up in a world where they're able to see more people who look like them, whether they're a woman, whether they're a person of color, whether, you know, just trying to make sure that the ultimate field becomes a little bit more diverse in terms of representing what society actually looks like. And I think that it's really powerful 
that the ultimate community right now is using, you know, our voices and our actions to push that change. And that's, it's exciting, I guess, to kind of be the first female. I mean, we've had, you know, people of color and the radicals in an ultimate community that isn't super diverse. I mean, Wisconsin isn't the most diverse of places. To kind of add another way of diversity on the field for the radicals seems like a, it's a good step forward to, you know, let young women in the stands kind of see where they can go if they keep working hard. I noticed when you were reporting for Isthmus and for WORT, the locker room question came up. <laughs> yeah, this is a kind of a funny thing. And when you're a reporter, you kind of do these topics, you run into these stories where you have to ask specific questions. In this situation, it's the how is this going to affect the locker room, right? That kind of anachronistic question that now in 2018, you know, like we said a minute ago, so much has happened, feels like a throwaway. It just kind of feels a bit uh, antiquated. The one question I have to make sure to ask, but you kind of already answered this, is how is this going to affect the locker room? Obviously, that's like the the classic <laughs> question, right? Um, you know, we're, we're just going to work through it. You know, most uh, the you know the stadiums have a have another locker room. I don't even know, you know, if if that I, I don't know actually. You know, that's that's something that we are going to navigate when it comes up. You know, a lot of these players have played mixed ultimate plenty and you know stuff comes up so i'm i'm not too concerned about any of that like it's that part of it's probably the least in my worries right now yeah i i mean i suppose it's a good thing that it's you know antiquated and that <laughs> yeah. you have to you know if you ask that question tim debile is gonna you know he's gonna roll his eyes and be like well that doesn't even matter you know we're gonna deal with it but you know robin thinking about this on a larger level that does have some you know symbolism even if the overt actual question is a pretty easy one to answer yeah, so I guess there's there's two different ways to look at that question, right? There's the fact of being in the locker room, right? Like, do I want to change in front of men and all that kind of stuff? I mean, there's stalls and bathrooms. I'm happy to go step into one. But I think it's, like, the more metaphorical, like, having a, a female, like, in a male-dominated space. There's a lot of people who use gender language or say things that, like, portray like biases that they have about females and about females as athletes, like as an identity specifically. And I think being a female in that male-dominated space where certain phrases or certain behaviors are just okay and people don't necessarily think twice about what they're saying or doing because that's just how, you know, their inherent bias creates their identity, right? They're behaving in a way that they're not necessarily overtly trying to be sexist or racist or anything, but call attention to how many things that they do and say really aren't supportive of female athletes and also trying to just get them to understand some of their biases. I have a really unique opportunity to do that as a female in a male-dominated space. Try to engage people in conversations about their behavior and things they do and say that, you know, if I wasn't on the team, I wouldn't have that opportunity, I think, to create some of those ties and bonds, actually facilitate a genuine change. The, this whole thing actually reminds me of an episode from The West Wing. Have you watched The West Wing? Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> okay, so let me set this up then. So in The West Wing, there's this scene where in the White House, they're debating gays in the military. And while this debate is happening, 
the head of the Joint Chiefs comes walking into the room and kind of gives his take on it. And the thing is that Admiral Fitzwallis is a black man uh, kind of giving this commentary. And he gives a pretty interesting perspective from his lived experience and his point of view. We're discussing gays in the military, huh? Yes, sir. What do you think? Sir, we're here to help the White House form a policy. I know. I'm asking you what you think. Sir, we're not prejudiced toward homosexuals. You just don't want to see them serving in the armed forces. No, sir, I don't. Because they pose a threat to unit discipline and cohesion. Yes, sir. That's what I think, too. I also think the military wasn't designed to be an instrument of social change. Yes, sir. Problem with that is that's what they were saying about me 50 years ago. Blacks shouldn't serve with whites. It would disrupt the unit. You know what? It did disrupt the unit. The unit got over it. The unit changed. I'm an admiral in the U.S. Navy and chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Beat that with a stick. So, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, that makes sense. If you don't push the system to evolve, it won't. If there's no pressure, evolution doesn't happen, right? You know, it's kind of up to the people in power to make room for that kind of push and have people like Robin as part of the community to make a nuanced push for change. It can be hard, you know, if you're in that kind of position to be the one that has to make the change. So the organization being open to it is hopefully helping the situation. Yeah. And to me, sometimes it seems that the institutions are the ones that get in the way and they kind of don't give the benefit of the doubt to the people on the ground, right? People can evolve. People can people will do these things and they will grow because that's what people do Um, and sometimes it feels like we make those excuses for ourselves and other people instead of just letting it evolve As nuanced and everything as Robin can be, she almost kind of speaks like a professor in a way, <laughs> kind of writing a thesis on on this sort of equity topic. To me, one of the more powerful moments was when I asked her about women in the stands, right? Girls in the stands, this idea of the girls who are watching. And she really had a, something powerful to say about that. Um, I think I've been pretty active. I should say I, I have been pretty active in the Madison community in terms of with my words and my actions, but I think that I've had fewer on-field opportunities to showcase what I can do as a player in Madison. I and mean, most of our competitions aren't in Madison. I think I can count on, you know, one hand the number of times in my ultimate career I've actually competed, you know, in Madison. So having the opportunity to show that as a player and as an athlete, you can be valued for the things you do on the field and not just for the voice that you have off the field, you know, be a force to be reckoned with on the field, not just off. Yeah, I mean, I see her in a lot of settings, but especially coaching. I had this moment a year ago where I was like, wow, you know, I've only actually ever played two Frisbee games against Robin. I've only played on a pickup team with her. You know, I, I don't. we don't really get to see her play that much. And I think she embraces the challenge of being a voice off the field. But I think she's excited to kind of show that she is a really talented athlete and she has a lot to show for her play on the field as well. Yeah, there's something powerful about seeing, again, you know, Robin talks a lot about visualization, girls visualizing a woman on the field and then seeing it and how that can change the reality. Because, I mean, it, it, it creates a whole new reality for these girls. 
So the game is in a couple days, actually, by the time this airs, uh, and Robin will actually have to play the game. You've spoken with Robin. What is she expecting? What do you think uh, we'll see when she's on the field? Knowing Robin, you know, right now she's probably thinking a lot about all the intricacies that we're talking about. But at the end of the day, you know, on game day, she's playing a Frisbee game. So she's locked into the moment and she's focusing on all the little things that she's been working on for the last several years. It sounds like she'll probably be handling, um, throwing a lot of throws, playing maybe some defense in a zone. You know she is an amazing handler. That's what she's known for. She's filled YouTube reels back to back to back in terms of her throwing ability. And the Radicals are going to try to take advantage of that. They're going to try to put that on the field and hopefully see if she can uh, uh, kind of put that to use and, and, and put you know put some throws into the end zone. Yeah, I can definitely confirm that she's a dynamite thrower. She almost rebroke my hand with a backhand huck once. <laughs> well, I mean, if you go into Reddit, if you go anywhere, you'll if you on YouTube, you'll see that uh, you're not the only person that Robin has uh, embarrassed on the field or hurt physically or mentally or emotionally on Won't the field. Won't be the last time either. Won't be the last time. Uh, I myself played MUFA against uh, you know Robin Wiseman and a Robin Wiseman built team. Uh, and I can very easily say it was the worst game of my ultimate <laughs> career. So, you know, now well, let's see if she can bring that sort of competitive edge and uh, tenacity to the radicals on the professional stage. It's a big, it's a big challenge. It's a big deal. It's a big hurdle. And for her, she knows that it's her biggest physical and athletic challenge yet. I mean, hey, no pressure, no diamonds, right? <laughs> In other ultimate news, on the West Coast, the Seattle Cascades beat the San Francisco Flamethrowers 27-25. to There were a combined four women on open rosters between both teams. And the UW women's team, the Belladonnas, which is your team, of course, finished second at the Midwest Collegiate Regional Tournament in Ames, Iowa. Because the Midwest region only gained one bid for nationals this year, the loss in the finals ended the Belladonna season. My regards. Carlton won the tournament and therefore will move on to nationals, which take place down the road in Milwaukee. Also at the UW Madison, the Hodags will now go to their 19th national tournament in a row. In Madison, the Mixed Combine is Saturday from 1230 to 5, with the rain date scheduled for Sunday, so fingers crossed that doesn't end up during the AUDL game. If you're looking to play on any of Madison's mixed teams, this is the place to be. Noise, Mad Utterburn, Mastodon, Boomtown Pandas, Mousetrap, and Alt Brews will be present. For female athletes in Wisconsin, Heist will have their invite tryouts from 9 a.m. to noon on Saturday and Sunday. And for all, Madison's two open teams, Mad Club and Mad Men, have open tryouts Saturday from 8 to 11 a.m. A big thanks to producer Alejandro Alonso Galva, guests Robin Wiseman and Tim DeBile. Our music is by Lee Rosevere, and I'm your host, Caitlin Murphy. That's a hard cap for today. See you next week.